Amen and amen. What a blessing the, the worship was. Uh, aren't you grateful that uh, um, we um, have a resurrected king? Amen. Every other leader in uh, world history, every other so-called religious leader is dead, but ours is alive and seated at the right hand of the Father and is coming back, and we rejoice with the heroes. I love that. The heroes of the faith, that song that we sang, right? We rejoice with the heroes of the faith. And I'm going to be talking about a little bit of that today as well. But how many of you know that you have the opportunity to be a hero of the faith? Amen? Amen. We don't just sing about the previous heroes or talk about the previous heroes, but God is, is putting his hand upon his people today, right now as we speak, and preparing modern day heroes of faith. Amen. And so every, was, every one of us has an opportunity for that. Let's go ahead and pray uh, for our nine hour message. I mean, uh, for our 45 minute message today. And um, uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord does. Father, uh, Lord, we do rejoice. We do rejoice in you. We rejoice for, uh, Lord, I, I surrender all to Jesus. Jesus, you are all. Amen. Lord, Lord, you are everything. Amen. And so, Father, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. We surrender our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our, our worship, our lives, Lord, our lives. And as Pastor said in the first service, uh, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain, Lord, I, I thank you that even if we have to surrender our lives, for the cause of the kingdom. Lord, we, re- we, we gain, we gain, we have victory. We have victory in Christ Jesus. And so thank you, Lord, that you've declared us to be conquerors. And I pray this morning, the Holy Spirit would speak your word, would touch our hearts and uh, would indeed be a prophetic warning for what is coming to prepare, to equip your people for that which is coming and for them to stand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen, and all glory belongs to God. Amen? Amen. Uh, just a quick announcement the pastor mentioned uh, earlier uh, tonight. If you're interested in these end times and Bible prophecy, we're going to be doing another update, 6 o'clock right here at the barn. We will be live streaming on the Truth and Love Ministry website. You see on the screen there. So please feel free to join us. Um, it is so important that we understand the days and the hours that we are in, but also understand more so that uh, two things. One, God is sovereign. God is still on his throne. Amen. With all these things that are happening, God is not shaken. And number two, it's got to create urgency in us to indeed go and make disciples of all the nations. And so um, let that, it, it's not just a, 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 you know, prophecy for the sake of prophecy. Oh, it's good to know. It's so that it motivates us to understand the urgency of the hour. Amen. And that how we live. And speaking of the urgency of the hour, uh, the, 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 the book of, um, the, the, the word of God in Jude chapter one tells us that it is our responsibility to earnestly contend for the faith, to contend for Christ, especially as the hour approaches. And that word there is to agonize, is to agonize over our faith. And so we are um, in a season, as pastor said, that's perilous. And these are perilous days. The Bible has told us that. The apostle Paul said, right, in the last days will be perilous days. And so, so the importance of our contending for Christ is going to be based upon our obedience to Christ. It's going to be based upon how we choose to obey him, especially as opposition comes, especially as time, times get harder. It is easy to follow God when things are relatively easy. But as things get more difficult and as the opposition to our faith gets gets more increased, particularly in the last days, it is that much more imperative that we know that we know that we know whom we serve. I do not serve the kings of this world, but I serve the king of kings. And so that is going to be the theme of what I'm sharing this morning. And really part of what we're sharing is part of the message that we've been warning the church that the tactics of the enemy and what is coming and on cue. And it's not because um, we are so wonderful in, 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 in being prophetic, but it's because we are discerning and we are listening to the Holy Spirit and looking at the evidence and looking at truth. And so this week on my, on my Truth Today show, I covered one of our shows was about exactly what we have been warning about, that 
the global system and what is coming, particularly here in America, it's back again. They're talking about lockdowns. Here we go again. Here we go again. That we've been saying that because it was so successful the first time around, because so many people, the masses, the majority of the world succumb, including within the church, to what happened the first time. Not only should we not be surprised that the enemy would bring it back, but that it's going to come back stronger. It's going to come back fiercer. Because when we do not clean house, when we do not come against the deception that came and be able to rid ourselves of that deception and awaken ourselves to the truth, then what comes, the principle of Scripture is that when you don't clean house, what comes back, that spirit that comes back is going to come back much, much stronger. And so this is a warning. Now, here is the reason why I'm bringing this warning. Because it's another hour of decision. You know, in our lives as, as Christians, right, we have hours of decisions. Again, we have moments where we can be heroes. We can be courageous and bold, or we have moments where we're going to succumb and give in and compromise. And so I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you that we're upon another moment where we have an opportunity to be heroes of the faith, to be heroes of standing for Christ and understanding that when we reject what the enemy is doing, it is not rebellion. I, I, I'm, I'm preparing you now. You're going to hear this mantra. You're going to hear this message again that for us to not go along with what is going to be imposed upon us, well, that's somehow rebellion to God. But I'm here to tell you, no, it's not rebellion to God. It's actually obedience to God. And so today's message is, we will not comply. Amen? We must choose right now. We kept saying this in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, and, 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 and the masses kept going along. And yes, there is a, there is a more of a wake up. There, is, there, there are more now than there were back then. But, but I'm still very concerned that the majority, particularly within the church of Jesus Christ, is just simply going to go along and they're not going to stand their ground. But if we know whom we serve and if we know whom we represent, and if we know the truth, then we will understand that compliance against this system is actually disobedience to God, but standing against it and saying we will not comply is actually obedience to God. But this is a moment now. We've been, we've been preparing. We've been saying it's coming back. Now, now listen, this happened because there were some whistleblowers that have come forward and said, listen, here's what's being planned and look at the evidence. And already, immediately, the media came out. You know, the fact checkers. Don't you love the fact checkers? The, here's the AP, the Associated Press came out immediately. Oh, this is just conspiracy theory. No, 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 no. There's nothing, no evidence of, of, of more lockdowns coming. Uh, by the way, there's an election in 2024 coming up, but I'm sure that has nothing to do with this agenda. And so, you see, here's a weird thing that I have. I tend to not follow the fact checkers, but I want to actually look at evidence myself. And so, as we did the show, immediately, immediately we saw the narrative. Because, by the way, the warning was that beginning in mid-September, you're going to see this reappearing again. All of the things that we see. So, like clockwork, the moment the whistleblowers came out, we saw the very first situation. You saw this in right here, or not here, but in Georgia, uh, this college, this university, mandated mask mandates back again. Uh, oh, by the way, we have to social distance. Oh, by the way, we've got a contract trace. Oh, by the way, we're going to take your temperatures, but only for 14 days. That's it. What? Wait a second. That's what they pulled the first time. You mean we're going to fall for this again? Yep, you better believe it. Because it's just 14 days to flatten the curve. And then on cue, the hospitals. Here we have the hospitals in New York. All of a sudden, immediately, we got mask mandates back. Mask mandates back because the new COVID variant, another variant. And then we have Hollywood, right? Hollywood right on cue. They jump on the fray. Studios are masking up people again. 
as if this was a bad dream. But it's not a dream, is it? It's a nightmare because it's a reality. And so I did another show on Thursday with my friend Leo Holman called Resist COVID 2.0 because here we go again. And again, we're going to follow the evidence. We're going to follow the facts. By the way, if you're wondering about their scare tactics of cases, right, you're saying, well, you know, but maybe there are all these cases and maybe. I just want to give you some perspective when you actually look at the facts because last year at this time, last year at this time, by August 13th, in the week of ending August 13th, there was over 41,000 hospitalizations with cases cases of quote-unquote COVID, this bioweapon, 41,000. This week here, August of, uh, by the way, in 2021, there were 77,000. But this week, all of a sudden, here in August 12 to 2023, the cases are only about 11,000 to 12,000, meaning they are, last year was three times higher, the number of cases, than right now. And yet we're talking about all of a sudden we're masking again and we're going into lockdown mode again. The COVID-19, uh, COVID-Net Laboratory confirmed that the hospitalization rate over 100,000 people uh, this year is 1.7 for the week ending August 12th. Last year it was 9.2. Yeah, we didn't shut down last year, did we? We didn't hear any word last year. But, you know, again, I'm sure it has nothing to do with an election coming up. I'm sure there's no coincidence that here we are ramping up for 2024 and another crucial election if they don't steal it or try to indict their way out of it. And so uh, this week, there's a journalist, Natalie Winters, who works for Steve Bannon uh, or is a co-host on Steve Bannon's War Room show. So funny thing, she actually followed the evidence because, you know, July Biden has set up the office of a permanent office of pandemic response and preparedness in the White House. I don't know if you knew that, a permanent office. And so she followed the evidence. She actually went into a FOIA request and looked at the receipts where the government, the Department of Defense, the CDC is signing contracts with with uh, companies for COVID equipment. And interestingly enough, these contracts begin in the middle of September and they go into 2024, some into 2025, some until 2028. Wow. And then why are we surprised though? Why are we surprised that they're back at it again? But as I'm trying to prepare you, it's going to be worse. And so our response must be, we will not comply. Amen? Amen. We will not. We will not. Now, just to put a given a little bit, this is heavy, you know, heavy subject all the time. So I just want to bring a little bit of levity. I love the Babylon Bee as kind of a pattern now, so I got to go with it. So did you know the CDC just announced a deadly new election year Akron virus? Um, and... I thought they should call this election year con because that's what it is, right? It's a con where they're doing it. And so that's, um, that's just come out. And, I, and, and uh, it's incredible, the timing of it. As I said, it, the, the coincidence is just shocking, remarkable. And then, and then, again, in preparation, I love this next one from the Babylon Bee. Um, uh, it's amazing how the enemy always overplays his hand, right? The enemy just always goes too far. But you got to love this. Fulton County releases first official portrait of the 47th president of the United States. As if, as if they're trying to win the campaign, you know, for, for that. Because it's crazy. The more they indict, the more his poll numbers or his support goes up because perhaps there is that remnant uh, that are waking up and realizing, wait a second, this is an absolute weaponization against political enemies. As pastor said, this is unprecedented era time that we are in as a nation and as the world never seen before. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we need to educate ourselves. We need to stand. We need to be in community. We need support. But we need to have that heart check. The very first thing is that heart check. Because we weren't ready in 2020. We weren't ready in 2021. And so now we know better, don't we? And so again, you got to choose whom you serve. 
And I want to encourage you that compliance, compliance to God is obedience to God. And to not comply to this tyranny and to this evil is obedience to God. To not comply. Because to comply to it is disobedience to God. And that's what I want to show you today. This should be clarion. This should be clear. There should be no confusion in the body of Christ. There should be no confusion in our churches. And yet I'm telling you right now that though there is a little bit more that have woken up, I'm still standing on this stage telling you if they get win. Now, listen, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that everybody is wrong, and none of this is going to happen, but I, I think that's only going to happen if we push back because the evidence is there. All the receipts of what they're planning is there. It's going to depend on us. It's going to depend on us standing and saying, I'm not complying. I'm not going down that road again, but you got to count the cost now. You got to decide. That's why we have a, that presentation that we did called the battle between obeying God versus government. This has been throughout history. It's been throughout church history. But here we are again in our day, in our hour, where we are faced with this again in 2020 and 2021. Can I tell you, in my opinion, the church got an F on their scorecard. If we're honest, we got an F as far as how we obeyed government versus God. And we, we have modern-day heroes of the faith. Like, uh, we just, I just interviewed Pastor Archer Pulowski, who is up in Calgary, Alberta. And Pastor Pulowski, most people do not know, he told me on the show, is currently under house arrest. He's been under house arrest for a year and a half. He cannot leave his house from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. His son and wife went to Europe to testify before the European Parliament of the abuses of civil rights from the Canadian government, you know, the dictator who is now Justin Trudeau, and he could not travel because he's not allowed out of his house. My goodness. And has been charged with inciting violence and terrorism. Convicted. I should say, not just charged. So we must fight this battle. And this is from 1 Samuel chapter 15. I want to make sure I, I, I cover the context here real quick before we get into the aspect of obedience because the context is very important because here you have a context where uh, Saul, King Saul, had been commissioned by God to go and to conquer land, but in order to conquer the land and occupy, he had to clean house. And guess what? He didn't do it. He didn't obey. He didn't do what God commanded him to do. He did it in his own way. And this is a lesson for all of us in our personal walk with the Lord, right? And collectively as a body. And so therefore now the Lord brings judgment against him. And the prophet Samuel here is now speaking because Saul is wanting God's blessing again, but God's favor has now shifted, right? It went from Saul to who? To David, that's right, to King David, right? And so Samuel says, has the, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Now, we're not talking about, you know, the Bible obviously says that we're to present ourselves to God as a living and holy sacrifice. So I'm not saying sacrifice is not important, but in this case, this was false sacrifice. You understand? This was religious sacrifice. This was show. This was not of the heart attitude. God was looking at their heart attitude, meaning are they truly sacrificial in the way they serve God and offer themselves to God? Or is it, is it just show? And this was show. This was Saul. And so now the judgment of God comes, the anointing passes, but God is saying, behold, obedience is much better than sacrifice. And so God, I believe in this hour, once again is waiting. Once again is looking upon his people and, and seeing, will they obey? This is nothing new. We see this throughout church history. We see this through tyranny. We have seen and witnessed this. And so I want to bring up uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer again. I love this first one. Faith. By the way, um, many of you may, may or may not know that Bonhoeffer was uh, a troublemaker even before World War II. And so when he um, saw the rise of Hitler, right, from about 1933 on, in 1939, he was already very outspoken as a pastor, which made him very unique. 
And so did you know that he actually went on live radio in Germany and broadcast a message where he said, I only have one Fuhrer, and that's Christ. And this got him in trouble and got him banned, and so therefore they banned him from teaching, they banned him from writing, they banned him from publishing, and they even banned him from preaching. And so what do we see during COVID? What do we see? We saw the government telling churches, you can't do X, Y, Z. You can't preach. You can only have two people doing worship. Here's how you take communion. Here's how. And again, I've said this so many times, but the response from the church should have been very straightforward. It should have been a very straightforward. There should have been no qualms, no confusion, no, uh, you know, kind of conflation in one's heart as a pastor. Hey, government, I'm sorry. You have no authority to tell me how I obey God's word when it comes to the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. You just have no authority. So with all due respect, I will not comply. Just like Pastor Arthur. And by the way, you have no right to come into the church because this is God's house, not the government house. It's God's house. So get out of the church. Get out of our, our faces. Get out of our lives because we're going to obey God rather than man. That should have been a clear call from the church. Faith is only real when there is obedience. Never without it. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. Amen? Because then the rubber hits the road, doesn't it? And so Bonhoeffer Because he got in trouble, his friends are like, listen, you got to get out of Dodge. Go to America. So he comes to America in the summer of 1939. He lasts one month before God convicts him, go back to Germany. That's where I need you. And he knew, he knew going back that it was going to cost him his life. He knew that. I mean, think about that, right? Knowing, if he knew that I'm going to step in the fray and it's going to cost me my life for the sake of the kingdom. And he did. And I love This next quote from him, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. All these pastors getting up there and preaching and preaching and doing their online teachings and whatever. Man, I would just, I I would have taken one act, one act like Pastor Archer or others, one act of obedience to show the strength and the power and the courage of the church of Jesus Christ than a hundred of these weak need sermons getting there because they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to upset anybody. They don't want to up, upend the apple cart because we just got to be able to make sure that we don't, you know, we, we got to make sure that we're just neutral in the body of Christ. Well, guess what? 60% of the churches in Germany were neutral and look where it got them. The Holocaust, the murder of 8 million people. Because of our neutrality. 20% or so were already co-opted. They had already been co-opted by Hitler. They took down their crosses and put up swastikas. But there was a confessing church. There's a remnant of God's people that will stand. And that's what I'm trying to prepare you for. I'm trying to prepare you. The hour is upon us again. Here we go. Buckle up. And, and, and the reason I know this is problematic is because we're going to hear the same mantra that we heard in 2020 that we heard, by the way, it's nothing new. We heard in our founding is as a nation when the majority of the pastors were saying, obey the king. We saw this in Germany, as I said, where the majority of churches were just going to go along and those who didn't paid with their very lives. And what do we hear? Especially during COVID, right? Churches must set an example of obeying the government. Because if you don't, you're in rebellion. No, no, we're actually in obedience. We're actually walking in obedience. And we recognize the importance of our obedience, especially when things get hard, especially when things get hard. So I feel compelled again, and I've taught on this before, but I feel compelled again to go through a passage of scripture that is so abused, that is so, so has been so used throughout church history to justify tyranny, to justify evil. And if you guessed it, that's Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. We hear it ad nauseum. And in most translations, but the King James, here's what you read. Even in my new King James right here, here's what it reads. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. 
And so naturally, everybody translates as, oh, well, every person is subject to the government authorities. Because the government authorities have been instituted by God, so therefore, we have to submit to government, case closed, go home, and shut down the churches. So I want to go back to the actual original language, because the Bible tells us the Bible is inerrant in its original. Right? Don't put your faith and trust in any translation, please. I hear this a lot, and I know we all have our favorite translation, but go back to the original word of God. So I did that. I'm kind of pesky that way, right? I like to go back to the original. So here we go. Here's what it says. In that very first line of verse 1 of Romans 13, there's three Greek words that are really important to pay attention to. Number one, the word subject. Every soul is subject. This is the Greek word hupotasso. Tasso means that there's an order. There's an order of authority. How many even know God's a God of order? Amen? God's orderly. Even in his kingdom economy, there is order. God is not a God of chaos, and I'm not advocating here this morning for you or any time for us to be of people of chaos, of lawlessness. So make sure, I want to make sure I get that out, out of the way so that I'm not, we're not accused of that. Patriot Church is not about lawlessness. We're not advocating up here saying, listen, go be lawless and chaos. No, no, we're advocating for lawfulness. We're advocating that, that when there is good laws and good government, we will obey those laws and government if they honor God. But if we see evil, and you'll see in, a, in a, just a few minutes, then we must stand. The second word is the word authority in that first line. All souls are hupotasso. They're under an order of authority, and that authority is this word exousia, which means that now that authority is delegated from somewhere above, right? So somewhere above delegates that. And the third word, and the most important word, is the word governing, which in the original Greek is the word hyperecho. Hyperecho never translates as government. It translates as the highest hyper echo the highest authority. Doesn't that make sense? And that's why the King James translates the passage as all souls are all subject to the higher power. Even that's not close. Even that doesn't encapsulate what the original says because really all souls are, all souls are subject to the highest authority. Because yes. doesn't that make sense that God's the highest authority? Yes. But do you know that God didn't just delegate one other authority? I'm going to share with you that, in my opinion, he actually gave four authorities, or we can use the term magistrate to be synonymous, or the word that the chapter itself uses, which is the word rulers. God actually gave four rulers, and I'm going to argue. Now, some people say three, but I argue for four. The first one I believe that we must understand is self. God has given us self-governance, has he not? You're, listen. Listen, brothers and sisters, we're pastors up here, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. I don't, I'm not going to stand before God one day and say, well, uh, Lord, I didn't do this because Pastor Ken made me do it. Sorry, Pastor. I'm going to throw you under the bus. Well, God's not going to go for that. He's going to say, no, no, no. Pastor Ken's responsible, Pastor Ken. You're responsible for you, and each of us are responsible for each other. You can't say my pastor made me do it. Or my pastor won't do it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My pastor won't do it, so therefore we won't do it. If your pastor, if you're part of another church, your pastor won't stand, you do what you're supposed to do. You obey. Amen. You show up. Because you're not going to stand before God and say, well, but the Lord, but Lord, my pastor wouldn't do it. So we have self-governance, and the Bible says that when we become a believer, we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ, this begins that process of being sanctified. We're supposed to be made holy, holy, holy each and every day by our obedience, amen? By obeying and living the word of God out. So, so now, can I ask you a question? Would anybody say that the self-governance is unlimited? You have unlimited power? No, that's ridiculous, right? That's scary, isn't it? Okay. There's a second ruler which God instituted, which is the family. All the way back in Genesis, right? One man, one woman, don't get shocked. Don't freak out. I said it from the pulpit, right? 
one man and one woman. Who would have thought that would be controversial? And then he said, I want you to become one flesh and what he instituted, which is called marriage, a covenant. Only one way to do it. And then he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and build the family. God instituted that structure that do mom and dad not have authority over their children? Yeah, right? Thank God, right? Because parents, if you had children and you had no authority over over their lives, we would call those wayward children, would we not? Wild, rebellious children. But does the Bible say you have unlimited authority? Oh, Lord, help me. Thank God we don't. By the way, every one of these rulers is to be subject to God, the highest authority. Remember that? Okay. All right. Now let's go to the third one. The third institution or rulers that God instituted, the ecclesia, the church, right? At the outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost, God birthed the church under the headship of Christ. He put some as pastors and apostles and evangelists and teachers and prophets He then called shepherds and elders to oversee. So again, there is a structure, right? There is an authority there. But would we say that the church leadership has unlimited authority? Oh, man, that's a nightmare if that happens. And we see that sometimes, right? So all three of these rulers are subject to the highest authority. And by the way, if any of them breach their authority, godly authority, then now that contract, that agreement is broken and we then must go and obey the highest authority. All right, now we get to number four. Who wants to guess what number four ruler is? Government, thank you. The civil authority. God instituted civil authority for our good, right? Again, I said, we're not to be anarchists. We're not to be rebellious. We're not to be lawless. We need to have civil authority, and God created it for our good and actually created it so that it has a very specific purpose of upholding the law. So why is it that you've all agreed that in the first three rulers, it is limited authority, it is not unlimited authority, and all are subject to God. But when we get to government, we give government unlimited authority. How does this work? Why is this not clear? Like this should be like Christianity kindergarten 101. And yet I'm shocked at how many Christians and pastors seem to just go along with this notion. So all four of these rulers, as we agreed, must be subject to God. And the moment that they are no longer subject to God, are you hearing me, church? Now the contract is broken and we go to obey that highest authority. Does that make sense? Okay, well, guess what? In Romans 13, 3, it actually affirms this. Because what it says is, look at this in verse 3, for rulers, plural, doesn't say one ruler, for rulers, plural, and I, again, I argue four, some will just say three, are not a terror to good works, by whose definition, by the way? God's definition, right? The Bible's definition, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, that ruler, is God's minister to you for what? For good. Oh, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And so we need to remind all four of those rulers that they are instituted, created by God. God created 
the authority of the self, created man, created woman, God created father, God created mother, God created husband and wife, family, God created the ecclesia, and God created government and said, listen, it's good for government because remember the, the concept of our three branches of government come from scripture, right? That we have the king, we have the lawmaker, and we have judges. That whole concept comes from the idea that God instituted those things for the good of mankind, but... Here's the but, here's the condition. Those rulers must be a terror to evil and not to good works. The moment any one of those rulers becomes a terror to good works in accordance to God, now your conditional clause of obedience has been met. You no longer have any obligation biblically to obey that ruler and you go and obey the highest authority until such time as that ruler can be restored to proper biblical authority. This is straightforward, body of Christ. And yet, throughout church history, we've you, they've, the, the enemy has used minions, people, pastors, leadership to preach a message of condoning great evil. The 60% again of those churches in Germany that didn't stand and the 20% that were plus, that were co-opted, over 80%, they were complicit in one of the greatest evils of human history, using Romans 13 to justify obedience to the Fuhrer, Hitler, or obedience to the king. Thank God, aren't you glad that there was that pesky, pesky group of black robe regiment pastors back before the Revolutionary War that said, no, 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 no. We do not blindly obey the king. We do not just obey the king no matter what. There are limits of authority, and we must subjugate ourselves to the very laws of nature and of nature's God. When that those laws are being violated, whether it's drag queens in the park and children are being, are being uh, 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 perverted and groomed, whether it's babies being murdered in the womb, whether it's the fact that they want to come after our ability to self-defend ourselves under the guise of protection, or whether it's in the case of I don't want to put a face diaper on my face because I want to be free. Now, if you want to do that, that's your business, but I don't, and you're not going to force me to do that, or you're not going to force me to put something on my body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That should have never been up for debate in the church. Never. Never, ever. And yet, just like in Nazi Germany, we had churches lining up to do all the things government told them, including contact tracing people and turning their information over to the government, which is what that college in Atlanta is doing because they're starting again. And I'm telling you, if we don't stop it, it's going to be far worse. Anything you imagine in 2020 and 2021 and early 2022, it's going to be far worse for these Western nations because now they have so much more in place for control, that mechanism. I want to quickly give you just a couple of biblical examples. In that presentation, I go through multiple biblical examples where we see a pattern in Scripture where God's people obey God versus government. When, when, when government is conflicting, when rulers are conflicting with God's uh, command, and in every situation, God blesses their obedience. God doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't scold them. For example, Exodus 1, you know the story of the midwives, right? Pharaoh is getting in. The Hebrews are, are having too many babies. What a good problem to have, right? What a good problem to have. That's why, you know, listen, my wife is in the back. We did our part. We had six. Those of you who are a little younger than us, do your part. If you're still in that place of being able to be fruitful, of course, in marriage and multiply, have babies, Amen. I want to see Karis and Nolan. How many? How many? Can we prophesy today over them? I want to see 10. Let's do 10. Yes, Miss Valencia. I prophesy over Kar Karis and Nolan. 10. 10. Come on. 
Be fruitful and multiply. If you have the ability, I'm old now. A little bit older than Pastor Ken, right? I'm old. I found out my six was coming when I was 50. Come on, 50. Lord, help me. That's why I, it keeps you young, though. But the midwives, they were directed by Pharaoh, right? See, the enemy knows just generally what God's doing. doesn't know the specifics. And so I always say this, a shotgun approach. So what does Pharaoh say? Listen, when these Hebrew women have children, if it's a male, I want, we want you to kill them. If it's female, let them live. But here's the key. Here's the key. If you read this passage in Exodus 1, it says, this is the key. The Hebrew midwives, look at this, look at this, feared God. Whom do you fear more? Isn't that a good question? Whom do you, during COVID, what did the church of Jesus Christ in America show whom they feared more? The government. Come on. I mean, is that fair? The government. Whom do you fear more? And I don't mean being afraid of God, but the, the, the awesome wonder of who God is because I have faith in God. I have trust in God. I'm going to trust that he's going to provide for my needs. I'm going to trust that if I lose my job, I'm going to trust that how many of us lost family members? I don't mean they died. We, we, we know that happened. But how many of us became cuckoos and nuts to our family, right? You conspiracy theory. We still are cuckoos and nuts to our family. Where even the very hint of the conversation, all of a sudden the eyes start rolling in the back of their heads. But the Hebrew women feared God and said, no, we're going to obey God rather than man. They saved the babies. We know from that came who? Moses. God's deliverer. See, God had a bigger plan. You see, obedience oftentimes is there because God's got a bigger plan. You don't know it, but if you obey, you're going to be blessed because God's got a much, much bigger plan down the road, but we don't know. And the enemy sees something coming, so he wants to destroy that plan. He wants to abort that plan, but God said, no, no, no. When I find my faithful who will do my call and my bidding, not only I'm going to bless them, but the, the kingdom of God is going to be blessed, so God raises up Moses as a deliverer to his people because the Hebrew midwives obeyed God rather than man. And God blessed them. And to this day, God mentions, listen to this, how important is this that God mentions the name of Shifra and Pua, two midwives. Who are they? They're nobody. But God puts their name in the Bible because it was that important. Many kings are not mentioned in the Bible, but two Hebrew lowly midwives are mentioned in Bible, immortalized for all history to hear about their faith in God. Then we have, of course, the story of Daniel. Remember Daniel? Chapter 3 is the story of the earlier time when they were under Babylonian captivity, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But now in chapter 6, there's been a shift, right? The shift was that God deposed Babylon and put Persia over the, uh, the Hebrews during the time of captivity. And because, again, of the obedience of Daniel and his cohorts, a very small minority who came out, but they would not subjugate themselves to the unlawful decrees of the Babylonian empire. They said, we will obey God and whatever the cause, God blessed them, gave them favor. Now Daniel has been elevated. So we're going to pick this up very quick in chapter six, because just like the story of Esther, that is also in the same time frame. By the way, this is so cool for me, because do you know where Daniel is buried today? This is a little quick rabbit trail. Who knows where Daniel is buried today? In modern day Iran. He's buried in southwestern Iran that was ancient Elam, if you go back to the Bible, where Persepolis was, the Persian Empire. That's where Shushan, you know the story of Susa, the city of Susa that Esther was in? She was serving as queen. All of that today is modern southwestern Iran today as we speak. The tomb of Daniel is in an Islamic country today. Because God is honored. And you know how many Iranians esteem Daniel? And I believe it's one of the reasons why today the greatest revival on the planet is happening amongst the Persian Iranian people because they honor the history of the Bible. They're so curious about this history. So what happened here? Well, uh, Daniel is now elevated. I'm going to pick it up in chapter, uh, in chapter 6, verse 2 of, of Daniel. 
And then we'll get to chapter, uh, to verse five in a minute. And over these, over the kingdom, there were three governors of whom Daniel was one. So he was a governor. He had been elevated to the level of a governor, one of three over the entire kingdom. And um, so that the satraps might give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. He was so favored, look at this, that the king gave thought to setting him over the entire kingdom. The king was thinking about, he's so, such an amazing spirit that maybe under me, he can rule the whole kingdom. But, so there was jealousy and there was an, a, a, a scheme of the enemy. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because what? He was faithful. He had been consistent, right? Nor was there any error or fault found him. Now, look at verse five. I have read this story many, many times, and it's amazing the word of God because sometimes the word of God, all of a sudden something new jumps out at you because God's word, remember, is alive and active. So watch this. These men, who were setting to trap Daniel, just like, remember, Haman was setting to trap um, Mordecai and Esther and the Jewish people, said, we shall not find any charge or grounds against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. This is so important, so important not to miss. The enemy knew that the only way we're going to be able to bring up charges against Daniel is to make it so that he has to violate what is against God's word. And therefore, because he won't, they knew his character. You understand? They knew his character. Because he won't, that will give us the impetus to kill him. The only way they could get, get, get him was that they had to do it in a manner knowing that it was against God's word. And I'm telling you right now, it's the same tactic that the enemy is, has used and is using today against the church because we're going to make it so that God's people got to clearly violate their commands and therefore when they don't, we will be able to come against them. So when the Christians will not stop fighting for the unborn. When the Christians will not stop going and standing at the, uh, at, at, with the drag show queens or transgender. When the Christians will not give up their religious freedom and their speech, now we will use that against them. And so again, it should have been clear during COVID that the church should have understood, oh, if they're wanting us to violate God's laws, then what they're doing is un, no, not just un, un, unconstitutional, unlawful against God's word. It should have been clear that that's the strategy. And I'm telling you now, that's the continued strategy. They're going to do it. And so what happens is they pass this decree. The king signs it, right? That whoever, watch this, watch this, sound familiar? Whoever just... Here's what we're asking you. We're going to sign a decree just for 30 days. That's it. We're just asking for 30 days. Don't pray to another God. Just for 30 days. Just honor and pray to the king of Persia just for 30 days. That's it. Then it'll be over. Sound familiar? Just for 14 days. Just help us slow the spread for 14 days. And it'll be over. And we bought it. We bought it. We went along with it in good faith, right? In good faith. And 14 days becomes forever until we stand up and say, we will not comply. Amen? So what happens? So what happens? Well, look at this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the decree, it's a decree, by the way, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees, not once, not twice, but three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And watch this, as was his custom since his early days. You see, Daniel 
was doing exactly what he knew to do. Daniel was doing exactly what God had commanded him to do. Daniel didn't change. Daniel didn't deviate. He didn't go away. He didn't stop. He said, I'm going to continue to do that which God has called me to do. And the church of Jesus Christ should, should have said and needs to say right now, we're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. God has called us to assemble. God has called us to worship. God has called us to pray. God has called us to preach. God has called us to heal. God has called us to set the captives free. God has called, called us to stand for the kingdom. And we're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. I don't care what decree you pass, Pastor. I don't care what, what law they pass. I don't care who says it. The king, the governor, the president, the, the, the antichrist. It doesn't matter because like Daniel, we got to do exactly what God has called us to do. We were not the deviants when we kept the church open because we were simply doing what we had been doing and what we will continue to do. Amen? Amen. And that's what you got to do in your family. You got to continue to raise up your children because God's called you to raise up your children. You're going to continue. You got to do, you got to live out your faith. You got to be, you're going to do exactly what God has called you to do. Because what? We won't comply. And what happened, by the way? What happened? What's the result? I'll let you read it yourself, but I want to highlight this. How many of you desire and know that we must have revival in the land? But revival comes when God calls his people to the places of obedience. Whether it's as simple, and it's not simple, but whether it's as simple as the way you lead your family. Whether it's, let's go through those four rulers. Whether, whether, whether it's as simple as the way you lead yourself how you live your personal faith or how you lead your family or how you can connect to a body like this or whether it's our responsibility to go to the civil authority and remind them you need to fear God because you're supposed to be a terror to evil not to good works you've become a terror to good works and therefore not only will we not obey and we will not comply but we're going to pray against you. We don't do that anymore in the church. We just believe that. Let's just bless these leaders. I'm not blessing an evil leader. I'm going to pray that they will have nights they can't sleep. I will pray that God will visit them in the night. I will pray they will have no peace. I will pray that they will, that they're, 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 they'll be stirred. I'm going to pray that God will use every means possible to bring them to repentance and bring them to conviction and bring them to a place where they will say, Lord, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for what I passed. Forgive me. I, that's what I'm praying. And I'm going to pray, Lord, if they will not do that, remove them from office. Whatever means, you're your judge, you're king, you're the ruler. I don't care. Remove them and bring somebody else in their place so that we can obey civil authority. Right? We're called to obey if those rulers are aligned with God. And so what happened here? The obedience of Daniel led to a revival because now it says here's what King Darius after watching the miracle of God sparing Daniel the king of Persia that night actually fasted did you know that he prayed and fasted that night because he was so grieved that his law had been used to put his beloved Daniel in the lion's den. So he says this, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. A revival broke out in the Persian empire because of the obedience of Daniel. 
And so we want revival, brothers and sisters. That's why last year we had that document that's standing right up in the wall, the Declaration of Dependence on God. For this very season, for this very hour, we predicted it was coming and we wanted to prepare God's people when it comes back, not if. Are you ready? Are you ready for it to be different this time? Are you ready to say, I will not comply? You're not going to fool me a second time because my eyes have been opened and we have to be a unified voice. I don't want to wait till mid-September. I don't want to wait till mid-October. I don't want to wait till November or early next year when they shut us down and bring mail-in ballots again. I want to stand up now. I want to put pressure on them now. I want to tell them now. I'm not, I'm going to tell every business. You need to go into every business and say, if you institute masks again, I'm not only going to come here. I'm going to tell every one of my friends, we're going to boycott your business. We're going to, we're going to make sure that everybody knows that you are against, uh, you are for tyranny. You need to go to your doctor now. You need to go to your nurses now. You need to go to that hospital now. You need to tell them now. You need to go to your government officials now and say, if you even hint, if we even hear a hint that you're going to go down this road again, we will mobilize against you and we will boycott you and we will do everything in our ability to stop this because we are not going to go down this road again. The question is, will enough of God's people do it? Will enough of God's people choose to obey and declare the dependency on God? That's the question. The arm of the Lord is not short. He's not powerless. He needs the vessels, the heroes of faith. Amen? I started by saying, each of us has a story to write. And in this hour, in these last days, each of us has a story. We need to be the heroes of faith to our kids. We need to be the heroes of faith to our church and to our community. We are the ones. Because with us, with us and God, nothing is impossible, is it? If we stand, nothing is impossible. But I encourage you to count the cost. And, and then finally, you got to count the cost of your faith and the gospel. I didn't get a chance to say this in the first service, but I'm always just so stricken by the price that Christians are paying, even right now, for their faith around the world. And so please, I beseech you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not paying a high price yet in comparison. So that much more should we be fired up when we still have the freedom the liberty to go out and to lay hands on and preach and pray and see disciples of all the nations starting here in East Tennessee and going to the ends of the earth. So I pray that the Spirit will stir your hearts. Get ready for this fall. Get ready for 2024. It's not a coincidence. And we should not be surprised that the tactic is returning but I pray you armor up and buckle up. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? I'm excited to stand with all of you. I'm excited to stand together. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in and through his people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your, the leading of your spirit. Thank you for um, the heroes of faith that we had previously. And thank you, Father, that you are seeking to make new heroes of faith whether they're pastors like Pastor Archer or just a mom and a dad. A mom and a dad who's going to say, no, I'm going to go to that school or I'm going to stand up for my kids or I'm going to stand up for the unborn or I'm going to stand up for genders or I'm going to stand up for truth. Lord, whoever it is and whatever circumstance, I pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And Father, may we choose in our personal walk to live in obedience to you. Whatever the Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray today, right now, this morning, that whatever the Spirit, some of you, I just feel this in my spirit right now, there are some of you that the Holy Spirit has specifically been preparing you for something and He's been waiting on you to say, I will obey. I will say yes. Whatever that is. We don't know exactly what's around the corner, 
but the Lord does. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Just say yes to the Lord. Just say yes. Father, I'm ready. Father, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for whatever the next season is. Lord, I'm ready for whatever. Lord, I'm ready. Just say yes, no matter how difficult it is. Because God is good and God is worthy of of our obedience. And God will be glorified and the kingdom will advance. Father, we love you. We bless you. I bless your people now. May the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit fall upon every person listening to this message right now. Not because of me, but because of your glory and for, for, for your namesake. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Let's say amen. And let's say we will not comply. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.